Hey, welcome again. Welcome all of you over in the venue. Thank you, Zane, for leaving, leading worship over there. And uh, appreciate all of you that serve in the venue. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to uh, John chapter 1 and just put your finger in there uh, for a moment. But as I begin, I want you to think back on 2016, okay? I want you to think about this. Would you say it was an epic year for you and your relationship with the king, with Jesus? Not an epic year in your marriage or your family. Not an epic year uh, maybe in your career or your job or your business. Not, not an epic year in your dating relationships maybe or in your educational pursuits. You may have had really great years in your business. You may have finally gotten that boyfriend you always wanted. And so you look back and you go, well, that was an epic year there, you know. I got engaged. I want you to think in terms of your spiritual life. Was it an epic year? And I, and I don't know how to quantify that necessarily. I, I guess I could look at some low-hanging fruit and say, hey, listen, how, how was your uh, church attendance? 52 weekends in the year, how'd you do? Did you make it, you know, half the time? Three quarters of the time? Once a month, you know, 12 days out of 365? I mean, that would, might be one thing you could look at. Uh, were you using your gifts, your talents, your abilities to serve somewhere? Were you being a blessing to your brothers and sisters in Christ by singing in the choir or, you know, mentoring a teenage boy or junior high girl or whatever it might have been? Got a place to serve here. Another, another low-hanging fruit might be, you know, did you, did you have some time in the Word of God each day or pretty much each day? Were you able to, you know, in the rhythm of your life, set aside a few moments to do a study? I know for many of you, 2017 has kind of started out really great, right? I mean, you, you got your new devotional, you've been getting up early, doing the Word. I met a guy the other day who came to Christ like a month ago, got his first Bible, been reading his Bible, told me about his first memory verse, known the Lord for a month. He would say 2016 was an epic year for him. Entered into a relationship with the saviors, memorizing the word. I want you to think about it. In fact, I want you to rate yourself on my little scale that I got up here, okay? That was 2016. And oh, I, and by the way, I don't want you to lean over to your spouse and go, well, you're a two. I, I, I know you understand what your spouse was or your kids were. I get that. I want you to just think about it. Don't worry about your spouse. You can't do anything about your spouse. Anybody figured that out yet? You got control over one soul, and that's you. How about you? Where, where, you know, where, where would you say? Overall, you may have had a good, I had a good month, you know. Last March was an unbelievable month. I came to church. It was Easter. And then it was downhill again from there. I... I, I want you to literally in your brain go, you know, I, I, think, I think as I look back on 16, I, I, it wasn't so epic for me in my spiritual walk. Had a great year in my business. Had a great year in my career. 
In my family, you know, we, a new grandchild showed up. A new baby showed up. Wow, in my family, it was pretty epic. But as it relates to my relationship with the king, what would you be? If you're a three on the epic scale, you know, you can choose to be a five or six this year. If you're an eight on the epic scale, you know, you, you, can, you can make the choice to be a, a nine. You see, one of the things that's really neat about your relationship with the king is you get to choose how close you want to be to him. You get to choose that. You get to choose how close to God you're going to be this next year. You get to choose that. God just doesn't pick out, oh, yeah, Roger, I'm going to pick Roger, I'm going to pick Nancy, you know. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick a, a, a few people and those are going to be the people who I'm going to be close to. No. You get to make the choice as to how close to God you want to be. You get to make that call. People always ask me when I'm in different settings, you know, man, it seems like, you know, you're, you're, you and God are, are close, and we are. Well, man, how does that happen? Well, let me tell you how it happens. Because I want it. I want to be close to God. I want to be close to the king. I desire that. I make choices about my life that will enhance that, that will make that happen. You get to make the call as to how close or how epic 2017 will be as it relates to your walk with the king. And by the way, you can go backwards. Some of you might be sitting there going, man, I was an eight, man. I nailed it last year. That's fantastic. Well, guess what? It's a new year. Just because you get to an eight doesn't mean it stays at an eight. Once again, you got to make the right choices in your life to, to keep it at an eight or make it a nine or whatever it might be. And sometimes throughout a year, you know, you, you can find yourself kind of floating around a little bit. I just want you to think back and just overall where you might be. Here's the deal. One of the, one of the cool things about God is that He's provided you with a number of, of things that that can make it an epic year for you. He's made sure that the, you have a number of things at your disposal to make it an epic year. And this is what I want to talk about. I'm going to share with you three things that, if you'll tap into them, God will blow your mind. You, you, if you're a two, you'll be a four by the end of the year. If you're a five, you'll be a seven by the end of the year. These are just three things that God has provided to all of us that we might have an epic year, if you will, for, for, for him. In John chapter one, there are just these two words that are super powerful. I don't know if you've ever thought about them this way, but in John chapter one, look at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, he said to Philip, two words, eight letters, follow me. 
follow me. Everybody say those two words. Follow me. Come on, come on. Follow me. One more time. Follow me. Two simple words that will forever change your life. They radically changed the life of, of Philip. His life was never the same. These two words were, were an invitation to join Jesus on a journey that would impact and alter his life forever. In fact, let me tell you, uh, give you one example of how following Jesus radically impacted his life. About 20 years after he hears those two words, follow me, and he responded to them, he dies. He was the second uh, apostle who was martyred. The first being James, James and John. Remember they had the mother who came to Jesus and said, hey, listen, uh, you know, like, like this is every good mother, by the way. Hey, listen, I'm here to talk to you about my sons. When you get to heaven, can they have, you know, prime seating? Can they have box seats right next to you, Jesus? Remember James and John? James was the very first apostle to die for his faith. He died about 10 years after Jesus hung on a cross. He was beheaded. 10 years later, the second disciple, original disciple, apostle, loses his life, and that was Philip. <laughs> Following Jesus will change your life will have a radical impact on your life. Now, most of us here have heard those two words, follow me. We, we didn't necessarily have an audible moment where God said, you know, Rick, follow me. Henry, you know, follow me. We, we didn't hear that, but in some sense we did. It might have been with our grandmother on the side of our bed. It could have been at camp and heard the speaker. It might have been Billy Graham. It could have been in here. There was this moment when God was drawing us to himself. And on some plane, we heard those words, follow me. Surrender your life over to me. Allow me to be the king of your life. I remember when I heard those two words. Literally, wow. To say it radically changed my life is just like the understatement of the year. It, it's crazy what happens to you when you hear those two words, follow me. Some of you were here. I was, for those of you that are visiting, I was actually saved at this church. We weren't in this building. We were on a building on Stanford Avenue. Some of you were here 40 years ago when that happened. You remember me. And you'd be the first one to stand up and go, uh, yeah, I can attest to the fact that his life was radically changed because some of you are still amazed I'm up here right now. Right? I, I know. It's like, how does that happen? It changed the way I talked. It changed the way I acted. It changed the way I see life. It changed the way I spent my time. Oh. 
Changed the way I spent my money. Man, before I heard those two words, follow me, I wouldn't have cared whether some people group in India had the word of God or not. Why would I buy verses for my wife and my children? And Why would I do that? What do I care whether they have the Bible? I can buy a new pair of pants. There's a new CD I want. There's other things I can do with my money other than, you know, drop it on getting the book of Romans in the hands of people. Changed everything about my life. Beloved, here's the deal. When, when a person responds to those two words, follow me, it'll radically change everything about your life because it's impossible to follow Jesus and not be radically changed. It's just impossible. Now the change doesn't happen all at once. In other words, there's a process we go through. At the moment I gave my life to Christ, you know, I didn't look very sanctified. I didn't sound very sanctified. My wallet wasn't sanctified. My daytimer wasn't sanctified. <laughs> there, was, there was a process I had to go through. I didn't know anything about the Bible, nothing. When you give your life to Jesus, he doesn't, you know, transfer the knowledge of the Bible into your brain. You actually got to pick it up and read it. You got to study it. You got to memorize it. God just doesn't, you know, supernaturally just put it in your brain. There's a process that we all go through. But when you surrender your life over to Jesus, when you say, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you, at that moment, God begins to do a work in your life. In Hebrews chapter 13, the writer makes this statement. It's really a prayer he says, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep and uh, ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May, may he equip you, Christian. When you heard those words, follow me, he has the power and the ability to equip you to do his will, to, to do whatever it is he has for your life. Or in other words, he has the power to equip you to make sure that 2017 is an epic year in your relationship with him and all that, that, and all that means. He wants you to have a strong relationship with him. He wants you to live a godly life. He wants you to, you know, you know, live out his will in your life. He wants you to live a sanctified life, okay? But how does he do it? How does he do it? How does God equip us to do his will? How, how pastor, will God help me to have an epic year in 2017? Well, this is what I want to talk about. Okay, I'm going to give you three things real quickly. I'm only going to spend time really on two of them. And the first one is this. is that God gave you his presence, he gave you the Holy Spirit. And it all has to begin right here. 
Because none of us can do anything apart from the Holy Spirit in our lives. It all begins at the moment you say, I'll follow you, I'll surrender my life to you. At that moment, God gives you his presence. The Holy Spirit now lives within you. The Bible says in John 16, Jesus said, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. And he's talking to his guys here. He's saying, guys, I want you to know it's good that I'm going to go away. It's good that I'm going to hang on a cross and die and be put into a tomb and three days later walk out of the tomb and then go be at the right hand of the Father. This is a good thing. Why? Because unless I go away, the counselor, the, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Beloved, have you ever noticed that those things that we see as a, a bummer are really the things that we need most to help us become the people that God wants us to be? There is no doubt in my mind that as Jesus was telling the guys this, okay, so you're trying to tell me you're leaving. Uh-huh. You mean we're not going to be able to go down to Giacomo's anymore and get coffee and hang out together? Well, no, it's going to be different. So, so you're not going to be around? No. Uh-huh. They were bummed. This didn't sound like a good plan. We like having you here. I like being able to get up and, you know, walk across town and find you. I like to be able to get on a boat with you and go fishing with you. I like to sit around and have breakfast with you. But Jesus says, here's the deal. As great as that is, there's something way better. Because I can only be at one place at one time. But if I go away, I will send the third person of the Trinity to live inside of you forever. You'll have my presence forever. Now you gotta wake up and come find me somewhere. You gotta come find me at the, you know, at the cafe. You gotta come find me here or there. There's going to come a moment you don't have to go find me because I'll be in you. I'll be inside of you. I often say that the Holy Spirit is the greatest power source known to mankind and it took the death of Jesus to ensure his presence, that power within us. And I think too often we as believers forget this great theological truth that God lives in us. He's in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, do you not know? And let me just say this real quickly. Christianity is a religion where we use our brains there's a lie out there that's perpetrated by the demons and the devil himself that somehow we as believers check our brains, you know, at the door. But Christianity is a thinking man's religion. Don't you know? There are things we're to know. We are to engage our minds Thank the Lord for emotions. God gave us the ability to feel. 
But what's way more important than how you feel is what you know. What's the truth? And Paul says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Yes, in the Old Testament, God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. And basically only one guy could ever have contact with God. But that's not the way it is now. You're it, Christian. And there's coming a moment when we get to glory where God will not live inside of you anymore. But he is the temple. He inhabits the whole heaven, if you will. But for now, he's inside of you. So when you leave here in a little bit and go to prime time or whatever it is, you don't leave him in this building. He's not floating around here around the pulpit waiting for you to show up here next Sunday. He, he's going to walk out the door with you because he lives inside of you. He's there when you're talking on the phone to whoever it is you're talking on the phone to. He's, he's there when, when you're meeting with your, your friends or your employees or your employer. He's there when you're about ready to send out a text or a tweet. Let, let, he, he's there if you answer that phone. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, right in the middle of the preaching of the word, man, turn your phone off. <laughs> Don't you do it. Ah, you see, gotta, that's embarrassing, I know. But your phone will never go off again in church ever again. You'll remember this. I know that we can get so busy doing life and doing the dishes and doing the grocery shopping and taking care of the kids and going to work and doing all the stuff. We, we can forget the presence of God in us. The, the, this was so important to God that he said, hey, look, I want you to make sure you get this. When I go, I'm, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna go through this thing called life all on your own. Not my people, God says. Not my children. I'm, I'm going to give my children my presence, Holy Spirit. Did you got that? It's an unbelievable thought. Now, I really want you to understand something here, okay? Jesus said this to his disciples in John chapter 14, and he says something similar in John chapter 16. He says, but when the counselor, that's the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, whom the Father will send in my name will, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Okay, and then in John 16, he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, here's the deal. Real estate agent right down here. How many, how many real estate agents we got in here besides uh, Gloria? We've got a bunch of you, yeah, right down here. Yeah. Okay, so here's the deal. In real estate, location, 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 Right? Man, that, that's, that's what, that's, you gotta get the right location. Location, location, location. When it comes to the scriptures, listen to me, it's context, context, context. You have to know the context of what's being said. You gotta know when was it written, what was going on at that time, what was going on in that city or that region when this was written. Who is he writing this to? Who is, who is he talking to at this moment? If you don't understand the context, then, then you can get all goofed up and, and now you're just spinning off into all kinds of different weird stuff. So in its context, in these two verses right here, the context is this. 
Jesus has his disciples. And he's telling them, he's not telling you this. Now follow this. He's telling them, hey guys, when the Holy Spirit comes and comes into your life, he is going to lead you to all truth and he's going to remind you of the things that I've taught you. He, he's going to be the one who teaches you. He's going to remind you. Now, why was that important that they would be reminded of the things that Jesus taught? Because God was going to use them to write the New Testament. New Testament hadn't been written yet. See, in the Old Testament, he used the great prophets. And now he's going to put together this thing called, we call it the New Testament. And so he's telling them, guys, here's the deal. My spirit is going to supernaturally come upon you. And my spirit will be the one who will teach you and help rem remind you of the things that I've taught. Now when you go to, say, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it starts to make some sense here where it says, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is God-breathed. God is the one who wrote the scriptures because God's spirit came upon these apostles, these original disciples, and he was the one who taught them and reminded them of all of the great stories and things that Jesus did, the miracles or whatever it might have been, things that they may have heard, that they, they, you know, they weren't running around with a tape recorder. How did these guys, how did Matthew, Mark, how did these guys remember all those stories? I mean, they weren't sitting there doing this. And some of these things weren't written for years after Jesus had died and was resurrected. How did they remember all that? I can't even remember the names of my kids anymore. I had one of them did something goofy the other day, and I, Megan, Peg, Gracie, whoever you are, get in your room. How did these guys remember all this? How did they get it accurate? Jesus promised them, my spirit's gonna come upon you and I'll teach you and I'll bring back to your remembrance things. And so you get to, you know, 2 Timothy, hey, all scripture's inspired by God, obviously. Jesus tells us that in John 14 and 16, especially as it relates to the New Testament. So, okay, pastor, that's, what the word says in its context, but how, what does that mean for me today? And this is always the second thing you have to do. Once you know what the word says in its context, oh, what's the application for us today? Because we have the Holy Spirit in us too, right? Well, the application is God uh, isn't going to have you write something new. The, 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 the scriptures are complete. But he does use the Holy Spirit to help you understand what was written. Obviously, God wanted there to be preachers and teachers. Why? Because it's not enough for us today necessarily just to have the Holy Spirit. Well, well why do we need a preacher? Why do we need teaching? Well, we need that preachers and teachers because they help us in conjunction with the Holy Spirit understand the things that were written. So the context 
in John 14 and 16 is way different than the, say, how it would play itself out for us. But here's the deal. The bottom line is, is this, is that the Holy Spirit in you is the great teacher. He's the great teacher in your life. Yes, God has left preachers and pastors and, you know, books that have been written and commentaries that help us learn too. But that's in conjunction with the great teacher that lives in us. And this brings me to number, number two. Okay, the second thing that God left us to help us have epic 2017s, and that is this, God gave you his word. The Bible, but here's the deal. Without the spirit of God in us to help teach us, then the word of God didn't mean anything. Some of you can remember back to where before you knew the Lord, the, the scriptures were just goobly gog. It didn't mean anything. They, they were stupid. They were irrelevant. They didn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden, you give your life to Christ and the great teachers in you, along with the preaching of the word at churches and teaching, and all of a sudden, this thing that just didn't make any sense now makes some sense. Just like unbelievable how deep and rich the word of God is. In fact, back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture, all of it, every bit of it, listen to me, all of it, all of the Old Testament and all of the New Testament, all of it, not just the letters that are in red, not just the things that Jesus taught, but all of it, all scriptures inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. God uses the word of God to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses the word in conjunction with the Holy Spirit to make sure you have an epic 2017, if you will. Beloved, without the Bible, we're all toast, basically. The journey of faith would almost be impossible without the word of God. Reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, and most importantly, then applying the Word of God. Actually saying, I'm going to live it out. I'm going to do my best. All of these things are critical to living a, a successful Christian life. The, the Bible transforms the, the infant or child of God into a man or woman of, of God. It's the, it's the scriptures. Beloved, when you received Jesus Christ as your savior, you became a saint, but when you read and study and memorize and apply the Bible, you become a servant. You immediately become a saint. When you heard those words, follow me, man, you became a saint. The Holy Spirit came into your life, you're a saint. But it's the scriptures that turn you from a baby into a man or a woman of God. It's the scriptures that make you into a servant of God, if you will. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter four. He said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word, every word, all of it, every single word, all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Acts, all the way through Revelation. Every word of God. We as believers need to know every word of God. 
not just the things that we like. There's a lot of Christians today who, well, you know, I like, you know, 99.6% of the Bible. But there's a small portion of it that, frankly, I can't be a part of a church like this anymore. Because you, you like, believe every word of it. Yeah, every word. Every, every word. All scripture. Well, I know, but, you know, if it gets out that I go to Big Valley, then I'm not going to be invited to all the right parties anymore. I'll be called a bigot or a hater. Because, I mean, there, there's some of it that's pretty brutal. Yeah, I, I know. I know. There's a lot of it in here I don't like. I wish Jesus hadn't said, pray for your enemy. Man, I hate that verse. Just hate that verse. But I don't get to go, well, you know what? I don't like that one. I don't really like that one all that much. So here's the deal. I'm going to throw that one out. I'm not going to apply that one to my life. I don't, I don't have that choice. A true follower of Jesus understands that it's all Scripture. Every, everything. We need to know all of it. You know, you're reading Matthew chapter one and there's that long genealogy, right? And I guarantee you there's nobody in this room that can rattle off all the names right. So-and-so begat so-and-so. So-and-so begat so-and-so. So-and-so begat so-and-so. So-and-so begat so-and-so. And you're thinking, man, what's all this begatting? Yeah, what, what does any of it mean? I, here's the deal. You ought to find out. Because God wanted it in there. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. All of it. Even all that begatting. All of it. You just haven't spent enough time looking at it, digging into it to figure out, wow, that's how that applies to my life today. Wow, that, that, that's, that's unbelievable. Look, at feeding the inner, you know, spiritual person is far more important than feeding the physical. Now, you've got to feed the physical. But it, it's the inner. It's this. Hey, we're, we're living in a culture where feeding the physical has just gone haywire. There's a gym on every corner. Everybody's only eating tomatoes that are grown 10 feet from their front door, you know? Organic stuff. That's what that means. <laughs> and I'm all for that. I, I like real tomatoes. Not, not that a tomato's not real if you bite at Rayleigh's, but you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean? There's, just a, you can, there's a difference. You don't have to be a genius. I'm not even a farmer, and I can go, well, this one's, this one's real. I'll eat this one. I get nothing wrong with any of that. Nothing wrong with working out. This is the temple. God indwells this. You ought, to, you ought to keep this in the best condition it can be in so that you can do whatever it is God wants you to do. I understand that. But what's happened is, is that the motivation isn't that it's my temple and I want to be able to do what God has for me to do and I can do that best if I keep myself in good condition. What it is, it's about how I look. I'm appalled at how many Christians, you know, they go to health clubs and stuff and they go, man, don't I look good? I don't care what you look like. It's not about how good you look. That's not why you get in shape. So I look good. Look at my abs. That's not why you do it. You may have nice looking abs at the end of it, but that's not the motivation for a believer to be in good shape or that you feel better. 
I'm glad you feel better. But that is not the motivation for a believer who has the Holy Spirit in them. The motive for us isn't that we feel better or that we look better. It's that we're just better equipped to pull off whatever God's will is for our lives. And the better I feel when I'm sick and I got the flu, I can't really do a whole lot. But when I'm healthy, man, I can do a whole lot for the king. So yes, Christian, keep the temple in good shape. Eat proper. You may feel better, you may look better, but I don't care about that. What I care about is you're now, this thing, this tool that God inhabits is now better prepared to pull off whatever it is that God has for your life. That's the motive. Psalms 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's the, it's the word of God that's the lamp. It, it kind of guides us through our lives. It, th- this is it. And if you don't know it and you're not reading it, you're not studying it, then there's no way that in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, you're going to know where you're going. D.L. Moody said this. It's kind of a famous quote. He said, the Bible wasn't written to answer all your questions, though it it will, but it was written to change your life. You see, at the moment that you surrender your life over to Christ and you say, God, I'll follow you. I've heard you, God. Thanks for opening my eyes. I surrender my life to you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, for those God foreknew, he predestined to be what? To be conformed to the image of his son. There's a point to this thing. God gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you his word that you would be more and more and more transformed into the image of his son. Now, you're never going to be his son. You're never going to even be close to being like his son. But the point is that God gives gave you the spirit of God and the word of God that you might become more and more like Jesus. And the more you become like Jesus, I guarantee you, 2017 will be epic. It'll be, it'll be totally epic. Guarantee it. Now, let me just tell you a couple things. You know, we have a great men's ministry around this place. It meets down here on uh, Monday nights, Tuesday mornings, sit around tables, a couple hundred, I don't know, 250 guys, maybe more. And uh, they're both exactly alike. So, you, man, if you've got to work at night, come in the morning. If you've got to work in the morning, come at night. And it's a place where, you know, there's a band up here with guys, and they sing some great Christian songs, holy, sacred songs. Uh, uh, Rich is going to begin a brand new, our, our men's pastor series, Claim the Victory, starts this, this, uh, this Monday. you got to come down here. And for some of you, I want you to know, you've never been here, and you, when you walk in, it's going to be awkward. But I can't, I can't fix normal. Whenever you walk into something for the very first time, guys, it's awkward. And I can't fix that. But you got to get in here and just go, okay, here I am. And it's going to be weird. You're not going to know anybody. It's going to be, you know, they all know each other. And you're going to feel like an outsider. And then you're going to come back the next week. You won't feel as awkward, but you'll feel awkward. And then after about a month, you know what? Bam, you're in. And then there's some other poor sap that comes in for the first time. And hopefully you'll go, you know what? I remember what it feels like to show up and be the first time guy. Our women's ministries, they begin a whole new thing on on Monday the 23rd and Thursday the 26th. 
They're going through a study called Relentless Grace. It's going to be fantastic. Ladies, you ought to be there. They also are going through the book of Romans. They're in their third part of Romans. There's also the precept study. There's lots of places where you can get into the word of God. CR on Tuesday nights. All CR is, look, so what's CR? Let me tell you what it is. It's a Bible study. 500 people get down here, they're all singing and hooping and hollering for Christ, and then they, guys get together with guys, girls get together with girls, and some of the guys are struggling with porn, some of them are struggling with uh, alcohol, with anger, I don't know what they're struggling with. All I know is sin has impacted all of us, and you're never going to have an epic year if you're struggling with porn, or you're struggling with alcohol, or you're struggling with anger, or whatever it is. It'll never, you'll never have an epic year, and we just get together and say, you know what, it's not okay to sin, and God has given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us his word. And we get together and we say, hey, how do we pray for each other? Let's get our noses in the word of God. Let's hold each other accountable. And we watch God do a sanctification process on these people's lives. Maybe Tuesday night's a place you ought to come to study the word. Our prime time, they're, they're beginning a brand new uh, series here uh, on the major, uh, on the minor prophets. And I don't know, Lee's probably going to do most of the teaching in there, I would imagine. What a great place to go and learn the word of God. And some of you are going, what are the minor prophets? Well, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you had major prophets and minor prophets. There were 12 minor prophets, prophets like uh, Malachi, uh, Jonah. They were the minor prophets. And what makes them minor prophets is that their books were just smaller. So the major Prophets like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah, what makes them major prophets is just that their books are bigger. Because all of it's the word of God. Minor and major have nothing to do with, well, you know, the minor prophets, their words aren't that important. No, it's just the size of the book. That's all that it means. And they're going to... Go start a brand new study going through the, the minor prophets. Maybe that's a place you want to get involved. Maybe your finances are all goofed up. And we have a class called Navigating Your Finances. And it's all, it's a Bible, that's what it, it's a Bible study. Where you just simply are going to go through the word of God. You're going to start to look at your finances through the lens of the scriptures. And some of you need that. That might be the place you say, you know, I need to get involved in that. And then starting this Wednesday, we have uh, what we call the follow class. And I lead that. It's a Wednesday nights, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. It's for really, you know, maybe you came to know, the Christ, came to know Christ last week, month, decade. You know, I don't care when it is. Come, sign up for them. You can go to our website, and you go to our website, and boom, it's going to come up, and there's this really good-looking preacher on one side, and then there's this whole section right next to the guy, and you click on there, and it'll have all the classes, and you can go on there and find out about them. You can even register for them. The follow class, we need, you need to go on and register for it. I'd love to have you be at it, but it's filling up pretty quick, and we need to know how much coffee to have and books to have and all that. But these are all places where you can get involved in studying the Scriptures. Now, remember, right at the very beginning I said, you're as close to God as you want to be. God's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you his word. And the last one, and I'm going to talk about this one next week, is this. God gave you a spiritual family, the church. 
See, God didn't want you to go through this thing called the journey of faith all on your own. Yes, he gave you the Holy Spirit. Yes, he's given you the word, but he also gave you a spiritual family. And this is absolutely critical. If you want to have an epic 2017, you got to belong to a church, not attend a church, but belong to the church. Attending, you know, you sneak in, you grab your seat, you might even throw some money in the thing and then you sneak out of here. Belonging is, you know what? There's a whole other attitude when you belong to the church. And belonging to the church, you know, being involved in our men's, women's ministries, prime time, CER, you're serving places. And I'm gonna talk way more about this in the, the weeks to, uh, or next week for sure, if God doesn't come back. So you want 2017 to be epic? I, I believe you do, especially if you know the Lord. Well, look, God's given you three, three things. More than three, but I'm, I'm talking about three. He gave you his presence. The great teacher lives inside of you. He's given you his word. And he's given you a church. And I'll tell you what, you, you, you tap into those three things, I guarantee you, Wherever you were at on the epic scale, you're gonna move up a notch or two or three. It's impossible not to have this, car, this cognitive thought that man, the Holy Spirit is in me. I'm getting in the word of God and I'm a part, I belong to a church family. Guarantee you, 2017 be way different than 2016. Why don't you stand over in the venue, let's stand and Lord, thank you, God, for today. And Man, last night was fantastic. I have no doubt next hour is gonna be great, and this was just really great, Lord. Lord, uh, I know this past week, I was just really thankful, God, that you, you're with me. And you're way closer to me than you ever were with the original 12 apostles. You live in me. God, don't let me forget that. Lord, I pray for the people who call Big Valley Grace their home. May they not forget that truth, that you live inside of them. You're in them. God, when they open up the word of God and they begin to read the word of God and study the word of God and hear the word of God preach, wow, that, that just creates this double whammy in our lives with the Holy Spirit, wow. And then, Lord, we have a church your church, your bride. And Lord, may this be a place where people just don't attend, but they belong. They really, really understand the importance of a church in their life. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness to us. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Okay, live for Christ.